0: Welcome to State of the State, the monthly roundup of policy and research for the state of Michigan, brought to you by the Institute of Public Policy and Social Research at Michigan State Universities and our friends here at MSU Radio Studios. I'm Arnold Weinfeld, Associate Director for the Institute, and joining me as always are our co-hosts, Institute Director, Dr. Mac Grossman, and Economist, Dr. Charlie Ballard. Well, Matt and Charlie, since the last time we were here, uh, two-thirds of a summer has gone by. I hope you've had a chance to enjoy it. Um, despite what uh, the news brings us from the southwest and the south, it's been a rather delightful summer, I think, here in Michigan. Good time to live in Michigan. Good time th- to this live in su- This summer. Yes, indeed. I still say we ought to put uh, billboards down in Phoenix showing <coughs> their temperature as compared to various cities in Michigan if we're trying to attract population. And we'll talk about The governor's new commission on population loss. Uh, We've also had a state budget uh, put in place with uh, money for uh, everyone almost it seems Um, and uh, we'll also talk today about uh, the state economy and the impact of recent Supreme Court decisions. Of course uh, affirmative action being uh, the big one there but uh, let's start with the state budget. Um and the economy, Charlie. Uh, the economy seems to keep <laughs> rolling along. The economy continues to roll along. Um, it,
1: various economists have been talking about the possibility of a recession for a year. We've been talking about it in these podcasts for a year, and it's it's always been, well, might happen, not sure. Uh, the news is continues to be pretty good. The July employment numbers just came out earlier this morning, and the economy, the national economy, gained 187,000 jobs. National unemployment rate stays essentially constant at 3.5%. Michigan's unemployment rate, which used to be a little bit higher, has come down to 3.6%. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, it remains to be seen. The the Federal Reserve just recently raised interest rates in another uh, notch. They still are worried about inflation, even though inflation is down substantially from what it was a year ago. Uh, they're still trying to tap on the brakes. But um, whereas a few months ago, I would have said uh, – m- a mild recession is more likely than not right now. I would say more likely than not is that we kind of skirt the edges of a recession. And, I think and you go did on. say that on this program uh, a few months ago. As <clears throat> I, 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 I did. We could go through the, <laughs> back through the tapes. Uh, you know, it's it's a pretty pretty good uh, scenario after uh, really a year of Fed interest rate increases. Now, of course, I'm an economist, so you know that I can't just say everything is Mm hunky-dory. So, of course, there are things to worry about. Gas prices are up a little bit. Um, uh, We were talking just a few minutes ago about the Fitch downgrading of U.S. Treasury debt. Uh, I think that's really more a long-term problem than a short-term one, uh, which I'd be happy to talk about. Uh, I've been warning about our skyrocketing debt for 40 years and nobody seems to have paid any attention but i'll continue to warn about it one other that i think is noteworthy especially for michigan is that the uh, contract talks are now underway between the united auto workers and the uh, um, the auto companies and um the the deadline is september 14th so we've got six weeks or so and right now the parties are a galaxy apart. Yeah. Of course, that's the way it usually goes in negotiations. You don't start out close together and then um, then you inch uh, more closely. Um, I hope we can get through this without a strike. Well, we
0: got uh, we got the UPS folks to uh, agree to a, a contract, it looks like, which nationally, of course, would have had huge implications for su- supply chain issues that are, are probably still already tenuous. But you're right. Here in Michigan, uh, we're all looking at that big three uh, contract talks. Um, you said they're a galaxy apart. I read the other day in Cranes where... The uh, UAW president was quoted as saying that our um, asks are going to be audacious. So, uh...
1: well, I think audacious is not a bad description. For I mean, they've they've asked for a great deal. I think, and they go into it knowing they're not going to get everything that they ask for. Uh, neither is the other side. Uh, I I always hope that cooler heads prevail, and cooler heads usually prevail at. About eleven fifty nine and fifty two seconds uh, on the on the relevant day
0: well, there's so much to think about in these auto talks too, with the continuing transition to uh, electric vehicles um, and what that's going to mean uh three, five, ten years from now uh, for the for the auto industry Matt, what's the politics of all this? I mean, obviously, a strike would not be good for not just the state of Michigan uh, but the, but the country as a whole. Going into the fall, it gets colder, Uh, the skies get grayer, Um, people's moods change from the brightness of summer. Uh, A strike would not be good for uh, Governor Whitmer or President Biden, would it? Well, no,
2: and uh the current uh, uh, the the current public view does not reflect uh your uh sunny optimism of the weather or uh Charlie's sunny optimism about the economy. Uh, people are still pretty dour um, you do see you know some changes in consumer confidence that reflect the uh, economic trends, but it the level is still quite uh, low, uh, and that's reflected uh, in uh, Biden getting uh, no credit and lots of blame uh, for the current state uh, of the economy. So uh, more uh, negative economic news would, would only uh, hurt that. There is an interesting, um, just like there's a gulf between the Uh, actual uh, economic statistics and the current uh, economic mood, um, there's also kind of a gulf in perceptions of uh, the current state of the unions and strikes because the uh, perspective and actual strikes have been taking place in such high profile industries. So when you have the actors and the writers Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. strikes, uh, when you have uh, things that that hit the news regularly, it can seem like we're in a summer of of lots of labor strife and when you have uh things like you know Starbucks being unionized, people trying to unionize um, businesses that people have have heard of and maybe go to daily, then you get the sense that maybe uh you know unionization is somehow on the rise but really we're still in the middle of a long term decline in unionization uh and there isn't really much of a uh, a trend in uh, the the effects of that directly on the economy. Mm-hmm.
1: The uh, fraction of the national workforce that's uh, members of a union has been trending slowly but surely downward for seventy years now, uh, and um, so even if there were some increase in in successful union organizing activities, it would still leave labor unions much smaller relative to the economy than they were in the 40s and 50s.
0: Well, let's turn to a minute now uh, to the state budget, because despite the back and forth here on the economy, perceptions, uh, folks out there thinking, you know, with the rising prices and everything, we're we're still in a bit of a a bind. Uh, Certainly uh, the state legislature uh, and the Democratic majority in the House and the Senate, along with the governor, um, just spent like drunken sailors. (laughs) as the term was uh, coined by former Governor Blanchard, because they have the money. Uh, We have unbelievably uh, a budget surplus here in the state of Michigan currently, uh, along with leftover money from the American Relief Act. Um, And I got a missive the other day from from the governor's office uh, that she sent out, uh, to any number of folks i 'm not so special, but um oh you that, are special i no, 'm um, not so special. yeah you are uh but uh it sounded more like a national promo piece uh than anything else because it of course all that 's good in Michigan is due to the governor not not because she has uh democratic majorities in the House and the Senate, but as a former house staffer i 'll let that go for now, um, but she notes that uh the f y twenty four budget uh Lowers costs on health care, preschool, meals for kids, increased higher education, uh, provides money for housing and work training, will help fix roads, bridges, replace lead plight, promote public safety. I don't know. Anything and everything that uh, Michiganders are concerned about uh, is going to be fixed in in, in this budget. Um, Reflections on the budget. I mean, this was the one budget that the legislature really had an opportunity to fund some programs because, as we all know, uh, back to the other side of the coin. After this, it doesn't look so pretty. Yeah, I guess um,
1: the the you say there's there's plenty of money, and and if there's money, it tends to be spent. Although I think if we had a Republican majority in either of the houses of the legislature, less would have been spent. And I'd turn to Matt to to try to parse. How much of it is is uh, that we have united government under Democratic Party control for the first time in 40 years, or how much of it is other factors? But a, a part of it is that our economy is doing pretty well, and that means revenue is coming in reasonably, reasonably well. Um, and and that's the uh, that's the the really uh, remarkable resilience of the American economy in the years coming out of the COVID um really uh pretty pretty good pretty robust growth which means
0: there's more money to be spent so man yeah governor whitmer is certainly and and state democrats seem to be at an apex of uh their agenda right now um what do you think the impact is uh politically for them here in the state and and moving forward we also let's also throw in there the recalls that uh, are, are on the on the table too
2: Well, it was an everything for for everyone uh, budget. Uh, It isn't that dissimilar uh, from what's happening across the country, as as Charlie uh, noted. It's mainly about uh, general economic uh, factors being better and more federal money coming in. And even Republican state governments uh, have been a little quieter about their I'm going to send back this Biden money, uh, views, uh, and are, you know, willing to spend the money when it, uh, when it comes down to it. And, uh, so actually the, there is an effect of a full democratic control on state spending, but it's actually a lot smaller than you might expect and much smaller than, uh, the year to year differences due to the overall state of the economy and due to the share of federal money, uh, that, that gets sent, uh, to the, the states. Both of those factors matter more. Uh, and I would say have mattered more here uh, than than Democratic control um, in terms of the what was the second
0: recall? Oh. Well, the, the
2: political impact. So um, as we t- we've talked about before, people always want the political impact to be I passed a lot of things and therefore people are going to reward me. The actual effect is more often the reverse. So the more that state governments um, are able to to pass and move the agenda in their direction, the more likely that in the next election they lose ground rather than uh, uh, gain ground. It's still a small effect relative to how the overall national picture is going. But you can see it if you look at the national electorate relative to, say, Uh, when Kansas and Wisconsin went uh, far to the right. Uh, in the prior uh, legislative period, uh, they saw more of a relative move to the left in their elections. And that uh, tends to be a national pattern and also tends to be true when uh, state governments move uh, further to the left. So um, that doesn't mean the Democrats are are set to lose uh, the next uh, election, um, but uh, that's the overall direction of the relationship between policy and elections. It's not the one that Uh, elected officials would like to be the case
0: right and interestingly enough this week you know underlying that as i mentioned are a series of recalls that are being attempted although one recall petition uh, against a republican house member who voted to affirm speaker tate's appointment as speaker is the only one that was approved by the state board of canvassers but i believe there are six others sitting on the table uh for democratic state reps and Uh, two Democratic House members that are running for mayor of their respective communities in November. So there's any number of underlying pieces as we move into the fall, including now the governor's announcement that she's going to have a fall policy agenda announcement. So it's interesting to me just the 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 governor has said she's not a candidate for president, um, but yet A lot of the moves coming out of her office indicate, have a national edge to it. uh, Announcements of how much she's done for the state of Michigan, a a fall policy agenda and and the like. And I I do wonder where all this is going, where as Matt noted, uh, a recent poll showed uh, the abbreviation NOTA, none of the above, getting 13% of the vote uh, in a Trump Biden election. So the American public is not very excited about a replay of what we've seen, many prognosticators on the national
1: scene have listed Gretchen Whitmer as a potential uh, presidential uh, candidate, and I'm I'm pretty sure she's aware of that, uh, and so that has uh, that has implications. Uh, I don't. I don't see it as at all likely that she would be the 2024 nominee. That's still much more likely to be Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, which most people don't want, but that's what it's likely to be. Um, Matt, I was curious about your, you've written that party control doesn't make as much of a difference in outcomes as we might think. Clearly, the switch to Democratic Party control has made some difference. Would you call it? tiny or modest or fairly big?
2: Well, in policy, uh, this has been a per, a, a very large uh, shift uh, on the scale of, uh, you know, state government year to year shifts. Um, that is what you would expect after a period of prolonged lack of control from a party. So it's usually the very first uh, legislature uh, following uh, new party control that you see the most change. And that's been uh, true here. It was true in Virginia and in uh, Minnesota as well. So there have been other similarly sized shifts, um, and that's kind of how I would attribute it. We usually, di- um, we usually uh, distinguish between the policy outputs and the actual outcomes. So mm. the question is, is all of that going to make a difference to things like economics or population or things that people say they are trying to affect through policies? And that's where it's really harder to find any consistent relationship between state party control and those outcomes because there's slippage at both, at both stages. There's slippage between who's in charge and what policies do they pass. And then, of course, there's a lot of slippage between what policies are actually passed and what outcomes do they achieve.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I've i said many times that uh, uh, there's so much, you know, Michigan is um, 3% of the national population, 2.5% of the national economy. We're, we're, this, we're in this little life raft floating upon a gigantic ocean of the worldwide economy. And if those waves are big, they're going to they're gonna affect our boat. Uh, one of my favorite examples is that John Engler was uh, the economy, as, as he would remind you, did very well in the 90s when he was governor. And then in the last two and a half years of his administration, Michigan lost a quarter of a million jobs. He didn't do anything differently. But the national and international scene changed, and there's very little that any governor can or or member of the state legislature can do really to control those, those big, broad economic and demographic trends.
2: Yeah, and I wouldn't overstate the, the backlash, Arnold. Uh, we have, I think we've had hundreds of uh, recall attempts. Very few make them to the ballot. I think one actually succeeded. So uh, very high ratio of, of noise uh, to actual uh, outcomes when it comes to those kinds of, of backlash. Um, but, you know, it is true that, yeah, there's still going to be more people animated uh, by saying, you know, what you did went too far, mm-hmm. uh, usually, than the reverse.
0: Of course, here in Michigan, when we hear recalls, those of us that have been around Michigan politics long enough remember how John Engler came to power <laughs> through recalls uh, many, many years ago, and uh, so so recalls for some of us send a shiver uh, uh, up our spine. But speaking about uh, the large boat upon waves, one of the issues that uh, the governor has is seeking to address, and it's not new issue. It's one uh, I know, Charlie, you and I have worked on together uh since the beginning of this century and I'm going to call it the beginning of the century because we're 23 years into it and that's population loss um and the governor has announced a new commission to devise strategies and initiatives to help address population loss Uh, I'm really wondering if this is again one of those items that there's really not much we can do about it because of national trends
1: I I would the first thing that I want to say about that is that I think population loss is is maybe not uh, mm. the the right thing to say. Um, our, the population of Michigan hasn't been dropping steadily in this century. It's just been flat. Mm-hmm. It's been in in fact astonishingly um, flat, uh, flat <laughs> at basically ten million plus only a f- plus or minus only a few thousand over the twenty three years of this century. Um, so our population isn't dropping overall. It's flat. But then underneath that, there's a there's a maybe more important trend, and that is that more than half of the counties in Michigan have lost population. Some of them have lost a substantial fraction. There are three metropolitan counties that have lost a, a lot of population. That's Wayne County, Saginaw, and Genesee. And we know that Detroit, Flint, and Saginaw are places that have not done that great in, in this century. But then the others are, are rural counties. And as, uh, 15, uh, 13 of the 15 counties in the Upper Peninsula have lost population this this century, some of them by more than 10%, even though they're often starting from a small small base. But if you got 5,000 people and you lose 1,000 of them, that's major population loss. And for our for a lot of the areas in Michigan, not so much for the state as a whole, but for a lot of individual areas, population loss is really a concern. It's not a concern in Kent County or Ottawa County or Livingston County or Washtenaw, but it is a concern in a lot of parts of Michigan. Yes. Sir.
2: And the other uh the other thing that uh the the population loss uh way of thinking about it kind of misses is that the, a lot of the focus should be on uh, I- improving migration to Michigan. So you know, births are lower than than deaths uh, almost everywhere, uh, and right. the way that population. Uh, growth comes uh, despite that means that people are moving in. And this, um, we did a study uh, a few years ago for MEDC where we looked at where college graduates are going in Michigan. But the overall picture is actually, we don't have a higher rate of college graduates leaving the state after graduating. What we have is a lower rate of college graduates from elsewhere deciding to move into the state. And that is a part of a broader pattern where our issues are, not as much from the perspective of young people moving away as we hear about in the political debate as young people not being attracted to michigan to move from elsewhere we
1: for uh, for a complex variety of reasons we haven't convinced that 22 year old who's just graduating from college in california or texas or new york or florida to come to michigan of course if we have a, a, a long enough stretches of low temperature of ninety five degrees in in Phoenix, we we may uh, be able to and attract. Milder, there are push factors as and, well and, as pull and factors. milder winters
0: here. <laughs> milder we've winters. We've seen the
1: last two or three winters. Yeah. That's that's right. I right. mean, I, I'm a big fa- fan of pure Michigan trying to remind us and the rest of the world that this is a place that has a lot of lot of great advantages, right. but boy uh it's it's uh been a tough slog in terms
0: of getting those people to move here right right and as i recall in the 2020 census our population grew just slightly as you noticed and it was mostly due to uh immigrants and refugee uh placement here in the state of michigan um so we do have uh, you know uh the lansing area here kent county um even in in Wayne County large pockets of uh, immigrant population uh that have worked to uh uh help help grow our, our our state's population which is the American story isn't it i mean that's that's the way we've been for Three hundred years.
1: I have uh, some acquaintances in Lansing who are Iraqi immigrants, and they are the most patriotic Americans that you will ever meet. Because if you were born under the re- regime of Saddam Hussein and you come to America, d- despite all the problems that we have here, it looks awfully good.
0: Right, right. and I do. And, and Matt makes a great point. Um, those twenty-somethings at a college or those that even don't go to college, just are not looking to move here as compared to other states. And it's important to remember that uh, high school graduations and birth rates are lowering across the country, not here in Michigan. The -hmm. brain drain happens everywhere. It's just a natural function of a young person to wanna go and check someplace else out. we have to make it so that Pure Michigan campaign is not just about tourism, but about living here right. and coming here for good. Yep, I, yeah. agree. I agree. Now,
1: let's say that we succeeded some and we start attracting more people. Then that would lead to another question, which we don't have to worry about much now, but I want to keep in the back of people's minds how much population growth do we want? Because if you love our beautiful lakes and forests and all the other environmental amenities that we have in Michigan, uh, you might not want um, too much population growth. I've been in
0: more than one conversation, actually, over the last month about what do we mean by a growth strategy and what is the uh, actual outcome we're seeking. Um, So that's another great point. Um, Let's talk for a moment uh, about uh, Supreme Court case uh, on affirmative action in particular uh, earlier this summer. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, there was another Supreme Court decision on abortion that clearly had implications uh, across the country in elections. And Matt, I- I'm wondering from your perspective, um, what are you seeing, hearing or reading about the implications of this particular Supreme Court decision? on the upcoming uh, election?
2: Well, we're not expecting uh, much of an effect, um, nothing like what happened with the Dobbs decision uh, and the the backlash, particularly in Michigan. Um, for one thing, the Supreme Court was more in line with public opinion uh, this term uh, than they were the previous uh, term. Um, there's a outfit uh, that uh, polls people on the same questions that the Supreme Court is facing each term. And actually, there was a pretty high level of consistency between how the Supreme Court ruled and public opinion, including uh, on uh, affirmative action. So I wouldn't expect um, too much uh, of, of a backlash. I, I do think it. It depends for the long term on on what the implementation of this uh, uh, looks like. Uh, Charlie, you outdate my Michigan time, so mm-hmm. you might uh, remember what the you know what the conversation was like uh, when this was outlawed in in Michigan right. and what what people mm-hmm. expected uh, would would be the effects compared to what what they ended up being.
1: Um, my sense is that the effects on uh, uh, enrollments of minority students at Michigan State University and University of Michigan has been modest. It's it's uh, not an enormous effect. After all there are all, if a university administration wants to have a diverse student body, uh, they don't have to um uh, explicitly uh consider race. There are all sorts of ways that they can uh you know, if you if you have a if if the MSU admissions office has a uh, uh, an open house where they uh, talk to prospective students in Detroit, it doesn't. You don't have to say black students only, but if you do it in Detroit, you have a certain uh, group who's going to come. If you do it in West Bloomfield, it's a different group, and so all of these universities are are actively recruiting across a very wide part of the. Uh, uh, of the uh, population. And and so we didn't see minority students disappear from U of M or MSU or, or others. Uh, I expect that overall the the effects might be fairly modest. One thing that I think is very interesting is that this decision has generated a lot of public discussion about legacy admissions that many Um, universities uh, pursue, which means that you're more likely to have the children of your alumni. And of course, your alumni are likely to be affluent. And so some universities have abandoned legacy admissions. That might, I think, in the long run, have more of an effect.
0: Uh, Well, it still continues the conversation, though, when you say legacy, about how we address uh, legacy issues uh, such as race Uh, In our society, Uh, that's going to be a continuing conversation, not just at uh, universities, but across the spectrum, including in the workplace uh, moving forward. So as you know, Charlie, uh, universities in particular do have different strategies and tools available to them if their goal is to increase the diversity of their uh, student population, and not just their student population, but their faculty population as well is another key Key, key point. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, Matt, you correctly pointed out that uh, the Supreme Court decision is very much in line with people's thoughts on where they are with affirmative action today. Um, this isn't the first case. Uh, the Bakke decision from uh, years ago in the University of Michigan um, was, was one that, uh, you know, probably set the stage for what the Supreme Court did. Um, and even among Democrats as well, uh, there are mixed feelings on whether or not uh, affirmative action is a good strategy and a good tool. President
1: Biden uh, has spoken in much very much in favor of race-based affirmative action but uh, even among Democrats and certainly among the population as a whole race-based as as you say uh, uh, Matt race-based uh, affirmative action for college admissions is not really a, a popular thing and so uh, eliminating it um is is much less likely to have a big effect
0: right well and like i said it'll still be interesting to see how we continue to address the inequities that are are in are within our systems
2: well and this obviously is also part of a larger culture war uh, and interestingly in the decision they opened the way for universities to ask uh, all applicants to assess how race or other factors had uh, affected their individual lives and that was kind of enabled by the decision but that's actually the same kind of thing uh that has generated a, a large uh, backlash both in schools, universities and businesses where um you know people are asked about for diversity statements they're asked um about uh, to catalog their views on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that has also produced uh, a backlash, even though it's an alternative in some ways uh, to explicit uh, affirmative action. So uh, this this might uh, actually increase those kinds of conversations uh, if universities seek to, to shift uh, to that kind of an evaluation.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Charlie and Matt, that's about all the time we have today. Uh, any last thoughts as we... Uh move into the last few weeks of summer um, and, and into fall?
2: Well, Michigan State University won an award uh, this week that Arnold had a lot to do with uh, for uh, its uh, roles as a land-grant university
0: in economic development. Uh, yeah. So congratulations, Arnold. Well, thanks, Matt. I, I appreciate that. Yes, the uh, university was awarded the Association of Public and Land-Grant uh, Universities um, Innovation and Economic Prosperity Designation, uh, which signifies that, you know, as a land-grant university, that's that's one of our goals, right, is to help our communities move forward and our stakeholders move forward, um, uh, and uh, as we know, we still have a lot of work to do in that area, too, so um, hopefully uh, continue to be a part of that, but thank you. Thank you. Good work. Thank you. Well, again, uh, that's all the time we have on this edition of State of the State. My thanks again to Russ White and the staff here at MSU Radio Studios for their support of the program. Join us again next month on State of the State.